0: Very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. This week we're talking Succession. Season three concluded this week, and we're diving in head first. But first, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question: Is Succession the best show on TV right now?
1: <laughs> I'm Sandra Amstutz. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and Succession is the best TV show that is currently airing.
0: I'm, I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago, and I agree with you. I do think I don't think it is my favorite show to watch. No. Right now, but it oh, right. is, I think, it's hard to say it there's anything better currently airing on TV.
1: I mean, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is a close second, <laughs> but, you know, Succession does take the cake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Um, well, before we start talking more about Succession, every week we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week. So, Sandra, tell us what you're feeling.
1: This week I'm feeling the new Disney film Encanto. Um, it stars Stephanie Beatrice as, uh, like, a, a, a daughter in a magical family that doesn't have any magical powers, and they live in a magical house in Colombia. and, um, it was a Disney film that I don't think has gotten a ton of marketing, that, like, you kind of know it's a thing, but it has not been, but it's an original movie, you know what I mean? There's no, it's not based on any, like pre-Disney film that's already existed or it's not a sequel. It's not um, a fairy tale that that I'm super familiar with, if it is based on any kind of original fairy tale. Um, And so a movie that, like, I kind of just want to saw because I heard good buzz online, but not because there was a ton that I knew about it. Um, Have you seen Encanto, Lucas, or are you interested in seeing Encanto?
0: I'm very interested in Encanto, but I haven't
1: seen it yet. Let me tell you. I... Love this movie. This is, (laughs) I I haven't watched a ton of animated movies this year, but this is easily the top of the pack of what I have seen to me. This is one of the first times as an adult, I've seen a new Disney movie and really felt like it reminded me of the Disney movies I grew up with as a kid. Like the joy, the wonder, the way that I'm going to be singing these songs and holding this in my heart. I was so, so charmed by Encanto, and it made me cry so much. It's a story about like a, fa- a, ma- a family that grows up in this magical house, and this magical house gives each of them a magical gift, except for our main character, who doesn't get a gift at all, and she's just the only non-magical normal person in the family. And her struggling to feel like she has a place in her own family, even though she loves them dearly. And, um, then in the movie, the house starts to crumble and people start, their people's gifts starts being affected and, and the family goes into disarray because of this. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote all the songs for this movie. They're great because Lin-Manuel Man-Manuel Miranda is really good at what he does. And the one thing that I, I really was impressed by in this movie is, Visually, it's so incredibly interesting and colorful. Um, My favorite Disney movie is Aladdin, and this is the first Disney movie that I feel like kind of reminds me and compares to Aladdin. Not so much in subject matter, but one of my favorite things about Aladdin is that like, even though it's set in a certain like city and part of the world Mm -hmm. so that this that movie kind of incorporated as any kind of visuals because the genie could like make anything appear right yeah and that really took place in this movie in a really fun and exciting way i felt like the humor was very similar also the house in this movie is its own character it's like animated it has it it Moves, it breathes, it has a personality in the same way that the magic carpet in Aladdin did. um, There's just like this really charming sense of magic in these movies that, not even though a lot of Disney movies technically have magical elements, Mm -hmm. did this movie embraces magic as a concept and as a character that I found thrilling and again just interesting to watch like just so so beautiful and then also the subject matter of this movie it's really just about like a family that loves each other but is trying to figure out the the right way to love each other that like doesn't cause each other pain and that as an adult <laughs> like watching a Disney <laughs> movie will really hit you hard right yeah um, It's, it's so beautiful. And I really hope that people maybe over the hall, as soon as this comes out on VOD right now, it's only in theaters. It's not on Disney plus, but I feel like once this does hit Disney plus, that this will become like a movie that families will watch over and over again.
0: I'm excited about it. I know like watching the trailer, like, like you said, like the colors, everything looks beautiful. It's
1: so beautiful. (laughs) It is So. so beautiful. This movie. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, and just interesting. They do so much, like they, they they cram in so many different visuals and ideas in one movie, um, while still while it, n- it never feels cluttered or scattered. It always feels consistent. Um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I think I I think a lot more people need to see this movie. Yeah,
0: I'm excited about it. So,
1: um, what are you feeling this week?
0: <sighs> this week, I'm feeling um, a not as exciting movie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Procession is a movie that's available on Netflix and, um, it is, it's one of those movies that I think is going to be hard to watch for some people, but I think it's truly an amazing, um, filmmaking feat. It is Robert Green. The, the director is a documentary filmmaker and what, what he's done is he's worked with, um, six middle-aged survivors of abuse from, um, Catholic priests as to children. And he's kind of brought them together. Um to really go through therapy on film <laughs> and is this a documentary this is a documentary, yes, and so they're basically they're they're going through therapy but they're also um working with a uh what's it called um a dramatic therapist, basically someone who helps people kind of write out their their trauma in kind of script form and then you know play it back and stuff like that to kind of take that power you know back and make it. Um, make it a piece of art. And so he worked with them to kind of actually each make their own films about their abuse. And I think what's interesting about that is like a lot of the people, as they kind of talk through it, a lot of the, you know, most traumatic experiences aren't um, the, you know, the actual physical abuse parts. It's a lot of it is the, you know, the feelings of manipulation, the feelings of powerlessness and the the feelings of not being believed by their parents and stuff like that. Like those are the things that are really coming out and that they're wanting to, you know, reenact and dramatize. Um, and so they, you know, they hire actors and they're, they 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 all of them use the same child actor to kind of represent mm-hmm. themselves in this. And so it's also this, relationship that these men have with this kid who is acting out a lot of their trauma and um them feeling, you know, as as they're kind of like learning more about themselves and and you know growing closer to each other but also um you know needing to do this but also wanting to protect this kid who's who's playing them um and their kind of relationship with him and his relationship with this work cuz you know he shows up and he's like I'm just an actor I'm you know I'm going to do this I'm not connected to these things um, it just makes for a very interesting um, movie. And I think it's it's so emotional also. Um, and so obviously, you know, this isn't going to be a movie for everybody. And, you know, it's, it, it can be traumatizing for a lot of people to watch something like this, um, especially um, when – a lot of these kinds of stories don't have happy endings of the priest getting, <laughs> you right. know, um, unpriested. What is the? <laughs> What's what the like, word? Ju- for that? There's not
1: a lot of justice and a lot of yeah,
0: yeah. And so and, and, and you hear that a lot of in, in this movie, just about like the anger of and the powerlessness of feeling that there is a lack of justice and there's there's truly nothing they can do. Um, and them coming together in this in this journey that they go on and it is an ongoing journey you know at the end of this movie obviously you know everybody's not fixed and they they move on with their lives but there is a lot of catharsis here that happens and i just think it's a beautifully put together piece of art and because it's all of these men kind of telling their stories they they all have writing credit on it on this movie that it's all it's a film by all mm-hmm. of these people um and so it's a very i think interesting way of 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 talking about this and making this movie, but I think it's it's a truly beautiful piece of art, which I think is just hard to talk about in an in an art way because of uh, it. It definitely like feels like you're watching therapy. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. This sounds fascinating and like something I I, I definitely need to watch. Um, yeah. Did you Lucas ever watch a movie that I once recommended called The Work?
0: Ooh. Do you know? What, do you
1: remember this movie?
0: I do remember it. I have not seen
1: it. It's about um, it's a documentary about a group therapy program in a men's prison where most of the participants are, uh, you know, men who are inmates at this prison. Yeah. Um, and, but then they they bring in men who are not inmates at the prison, just civilians out in the world um to come and participate in this therapy program with them like e- equally mm-hmm. and um it's a really really powerful look at like men examining their own trauma and the toxicity of masculinity and um it's really really good and i i i, I remember at the time saying i really think that every single person who either is a man or is in a relationship with a man, or will be raising a man, should watch yeah. this movie. Yeah. Um, and so, so that it, this reminds this, you know, um, structure reminds me of that. Um, and if you thought this was good, you might, when you're emotionally ready, to, to yeah. find a moment to watch the war.
0: <laughs> I definitely, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. I, I remember you talking about that, and that that does sound fantastic. Yeah. And I don't know where that is available. I don't actually know if it's available to stream at the moment. Did you
1: say Procession is on Netflix?
0: Procession is on Netflix, yes.
1: Yes. Let me find where the work is. The work, you have to buy it.
0: Mm, Got it. All right. Um, Before we talk about Succession, um, we do have an in or out section today. What is it? You're either in or you're out. Right now. We got some trailers.
1: We're back in the trailer game.
0: We are back in the trailer game. I would say America is back in the trailer game. <laughs> we got movies again. So the first one I want to talk about is The Gilded Age. Yeah. So this is a new HBO show by the creators of uh, Downton Abbey, basically recreating. Um, I actually have never seen Downton Abbey, so I don't. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna know what to say here. But basically, it's the That's next step in that story, me. taking place in New York. So it's about the Gilded Age. Um, Wait. About yeah.
1: Is it supposed to be connected to Downton Abbey? I,
0: th- I think it. I, I don't know if it's connected, but it, it's kind of the next step in that story. It, it's all different characters, um, okay. and it takes place in New York. But I, uh, I, I, watching the trailer, I assumed that it was in the same world as Downton Abbey.
1: Oh, I don't know that that is true, but.
0: That might be completely incorrect.
1: <laughs> I mean, it could be. I just, there's nothing about that trailer that suggested that to me. Got As it. someone who watched like the first two or three seasons of Downton Abbey.
0: Got it. It is the same time period though, I mean, right?
1: I, I'm not the worst in the Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this stars, um, what is it? Cynthia Nixon, Christine Baranski, Carrie Coon.
1: Yeah. Was Audra McDonald also in there?
0: You're right. Audrey McDonald was in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, what did you think of the Golden Age? The Gilded Age. You're um... right. The Gilded Age.
1: <laughs> Here's the thing, I, I'm out on the Gilded Age so far. There, this is the trailer that you sent me. Yes, um, is different than the trailer that I'm seeing, like pr- when I'm watching Succession on HBO. You know, oh, like, interesting. There's, yeah, there's there's different trailers, and this seems to be more of like the full fledged trailer. Mm-hmm. This is me being. I, I'm gonna just fully bear my differences <laughs> and tendencies here. If there's not a really, um significant or compelling love story involved i'm gonna have a hard time watching a period piece like this like this uh, this type of period piece i only really can get invested in if there's also a love story that like can sweep me away
0: by this type of period piece you mean in this time period of life or Yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah
1: this time period and this like the style of period piece that's all about like you know the the maneuverings of class the upstairs downstairs the you know fancy people being fancy (laughs) right
0: but you also don't like this time period if they're just scrabbling in the west also i think you just have an issue with like the 1860s through the 1900s
1: that's good very well (laughs) uh (laughs) yeah but no like yeah there's but Scrabbling in the West is a whole other... I don't like those movies for a whole other reason. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: if there was, like... If this was a story about a family in this time period that, like, wasn't this... It, I feel like these type of period pieces are very specific about this type of subject matter, which is mm-hmm. we're the upper class, right? Yeah. And that's what the whole show is about. Um. And that is actually a subject matter I'm interested in. There's something just about this packaging (laughs) that does not appeal to me, right? I don't know what it is, but nothing in this trailer also grabbed me. In addition, here's the other thing, is if the show seemed really, really good, I I would get over that, right? I would get over that um, inclination of mine because the show looked good. Um, Ultimately, I don't think this show has anything that seems super interesting to me
0: yeah i i i hear you there i feel like this is a show that if people start saying it's good i'm absolutely gonna watch but Mm -hmm. there's nothing plot wise that's gonna pull me into it um i love a good fancy costume um i love you know smart witty writing so if it has that i'm i'm in i didn't watch
1: see any smart witty writing in this trailer
0: not in the trailer but it, it feels like something that could be in this show um so I, I I never watched Abby, so I'm <laughs> kind of out on, on the quality of, of any of yeah, that. I have no idea. So we'll see. Downton I'm Abbey, I'm intrigued.
1: Again, I watched I think the first two, maybe three seasons. Okay. It's a soap opera, like, is all it is, you know? Yeah. And it and it had a compelling love story in it. It had multiple compelling love stories. So uh-huh. like if you like a, a a soap opera about a family that You know, it was like almost like Seventh Heaven or like, you know, One Tree Hill, but set Mm -hmm. in a period piece. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. The Gilded Age. I just to me, if your trailer, which is supposed to have all the snazziest moments. Right. That really compel people to watch. If there's nothing in their trailer that is exciting me, then I have a hard time envisioning. Yeah. Yeah. What's your show going to have?
0: Yeah. That like makes sense. Hour
1: long version of this. Yeah. Be
0: <laughs> so we'll see. Sounds like we're both out on this until yeah. until further notice. So yeah. that's the Gilded, out Age. the Gilded Age. It is coming out on Netflix. Nope, on HBO. HBO. HBO at some point. All right. Next up, we've got Operation Fortune. This is uh, the newest Guy Ritchie movie starring Jason Statham. Per per usual. recently he's been <laughs> really into Jason Statham. It also <laughs> stars Carrie Ellis, Josh Hartnett. Um, Audrey Pla- Plaza and Hugh Grant. Yeah. Um, what did you think of this trailer?
1: So when this trailer started, I had no context for this movie. Okay. Like none. I just clicked play. Yep. And as soon as it started, I immediately thought, this is exact, this reminds me exactly of The Gentleman. And yes. how I thought The Gentleman was going to be a good movie, and then everyone said it was bad, so I never saw it. And then it said from the director of the gentleman on the title card. I was like, oh, no wonder. This is a Guy Ritchie movie. I'm out on this movie too. Let me tell you. The Gentleman was a I think had a good trailer that was like snazzy and interesting, and I liked the cast. And then it turned out like was probably not a good movie, right?
0: I will say I did I did watch The Gentleman and I liked it. I liked it. (laughs) I did like it. chance i don't uh, think it's a great movie sure, at all but
1: sure. no no no, no i'm saying that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: but i did enjoy a lot of it i think there's 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 stuff about the gentleman that i was like oh this is not great but yeah yeah well, overall the performances and the story itself i was like this is actually yeah. pretty intriguing <laughs> well
1: that's interesting to hear this trailer did not do it for me yeah i feel like this trailer seems like it has a lot of pieces that I find really interesting. Um, I love Aubrey Plaza. I love Hugh Grant being a villain. let me tell you that that is the only mm-hmm. interesting thing about this trailer is Hugh, <laughs> Hugh Grant's performance. Um,
0: it seems I, like he's playing the exact same character that he pl- he played in uh, Okay.
1: In, in the gentleman. The gentleman, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like Jason Statham. Um, I'm intrigued by Josh Hartnett's presence. Like where has he been? (laughs) Um so there's a lot that like elements that on paper sound intriguing, but the trailer itself was not good. Again, if if this is all the best, funniest, snazziest moments in this movie. Then I think this movie looks like a letdown. Yeah.
0: Um, I for me, this trailer started actually pretty good and then just continued to go downhill. Um, so for me, I think I am out on this movie. Yeah. Um, until further notice. <laughs> so. I, I'm
1: usually not so negative during in or out. Yeah. But yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. We're
0: not we're not getting great ones here. No. No.
1: no. Um, um, also, I just want to say that like I love Aubrey Plaza, and this is a kind of movie that I would love. For Aubrey Plaza to have a win with, mm-hmm. so it's a bummer that this doesn't look very good.
0: Yeah, no, I feel you there. Yeah. Um, so let's see if we can get three for three here. Our our last trailer is Fantastic Beasts: The Secret Fantastic Beasts: The Secret of Dumbledore. That is um, just a weird name for a movie. How do you feel yeah. about this? this well, trailer?
1: I have a question. So, yeah. have you watched any of the Fantastic Beasts movies?
0: So, oh boy, this is a story, I guess. um so I watched the first one um at, at like when it came out i pro- I think I watched it in theaters, and then the second one, I got a advanced screening for it like before all the special effects were done uh thought it was terrible, and so never actually watched it when it came out <laughs> so i it and, th- and that was like six months before the actual movie came out so i i am I wouldn't say I'm caught up on the fantastic Beasts series
1: okay. I have never seen any of them. Um, oh, mostly because I have a distaste for Johnny Depp, and I didn't want to yeah. watch those movies. Johnny Depp and wasn't
0: in the first one.
1: He is in the first one.
0: Oh man, He's this shows you exactly how much I remember these movies. <laughs>
1: he, I mean, I can. I'm going to spoil the ending of the first Fantastic Beasts okay. movie. Um, yes, because. Colin Farrell plays the villain in that. Yeah. Who I love. And
0: he turns into Johnny Depp. And
1: then he turns into Johnny Depp at the very end.
0: Like, but like, does he actually turn into Johnny Depp on screen? Yeah. Okay. But Johnny Depp doesn't even say anything, right? Is he? Okay.
1: No, he's, he's not it. a major part of the movie yeah. by any means. But he does appear in the movie. Got it, got it, got and it. And I just didn't want to participate in that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. And also, to be quite frank, these, I love... Harry Potter growing up, but these movies did not seem to have the appeal that Harry Potter had for me to like, they take place in the Harry Potter world, but they don't seem to have like the childlike wonder and fun of Harry Potter. Um, just, and that's just for me looking out on the outside at these trailers. Yeah, And so, uh, yeah, all that to say this fantastic beast trailer, um, looks like more of the same and i and i'm out um i th- i'm glad that johnny depp is not involved in this one however i think it's they wrote themselves into a hole right like they for sure <laughs> and it's just, it was, it's just been a mess from the very beginning.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. I, um, watching this trailer, I was like, I don't even remember what happened in the last one. And half the people that were in that one, I don't even see in this trailer. Yeah. <laughs> so feels like a bunch of new people. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm out on it. Um, this series has just felt like, a uh, just a wash in general. Yeah. Like there's, there's no reason to to have it and it is hopefully slowly dying. So yeah. Not a fan of of JK and kind of her her whole rap at the moment. Nope, so.
1: Certainly not. Um I you know it, it's I don't blame people who still love Harry Potter by any any means, but the whole JK of it all really has um you know soured my Harry Potter memories. Yeah. Um and that's really it's sad um there's a harry potter anniversary special coming out on hbo max soon with the original actors that from my understanding jk rowling is not involved in at all um and i'm i'm wondering if i'm gonna watch that or not i I might you know um because i do like all of those actors involved in the original movies and those movies i think are very special and charming and um uh, do,
0: do you have any interest in watching that? Oh, 100%. I will definitely be watching that. Yeah. For, for me, my relationship is just that, like, I I feel like I am able – uh, it's different with every piece of art. You've said this right. before. It's different with every piece of art, but I am able to separate her from this work <laughs> yeah. very easily. Um, less so from the um, Fantastic Beast movies because she's, like, oh. actively writing them. Um, right. But – yeah, I yeah, I, I feel like I love the Harry Potter books. I feel like that she, she wrote them at a different time. She's now, you know, a completely different person <laughs> than than she was when she wrote them, um, and can't let go of this franchise at all. Mm. But the uh, yeah, the special, the reunion special or whatever, um yeah. that's coming to HBO Max in January, I'm very excited about.
1: Yeah. Fantastic I- Beasts, The
0: Secret of Dumbledore, completely out.
1: Yeah. One thing that I just want to say is like where I have the hardest time with Harry Potter now after J.K. Rowling coming out as a mm-hmm. turf um is not so much I still cherish like my memories of me enjoying that growing up, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that really hasn't been specifically tarnished, but um I started collecting these like really beautiful editions of the books that are like illustrated and they're they're gorgeous and I was I've I've been starting I have the first three, and I had this intent of like collecting all of them, and then if I ever had kids, like these being the ones that I read with my kids at night, you know mm, what I mean? Yeah. And like sharing a book series with your kids is just like this beautiful th- image that I had built up, and I don't think I can do that now.
0: Oh, um, interesting.
1: Yeah, because here's here's why. I can't bring if the idea that I would introduce my child to this series, you know, if they found it on their own and they wanted to read it, I wouldn't say like, you can't read these books by any means, but if like purposely introducing my child to the series and making them fall in love with these, this book, these books and this character. And then as they grow up, they find out who JK Rowling is and, and what she stands for. And then, I knew this whole time. And they're like, why did you do this to me? Especially if I were to have a child that's trans, you know? Um, I have a hard time reconciling that. Can
0: you do it in in conjunction, though? Being like, here is a yeah, piece of art and you know, here is the... I mean, because...
1: Here's the thing. Yeah. Yes, you can. I think definitely. The trickiness of, of these books is that they start when the characters are like 11 years old, right? Mm-hmm. 10, 11. And... I feel like kids want to start reading these books when they're about that age or maybe even like a a year or two younger um, if they're, you know, depending on what reading level they're at. And so it's one thing if you have like a preteen, right, or a teen that you can have complex conversations about separating the art from the artist. (laughs) It's just just trickier, you know, depending on how young your child is. Yeah. Not saying it's impossible by any means, but. but but harder.
0: No, that makes sense. I think that's a, that's a conversation you have to have about almost any. With hypothetical children. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah. But but I mean, like with any child about any book that is a classic, um, most of the authors were sexist and racist and stuff like that. And so like, at least for me growing up, I think that was something that my parents were really good about. It's like having those conversations about like, you that's a, you're gonna read this but uh yeah. <laughs> he's kind of shit so but that's
1: really uh, it, i'd be fascinated to hear like how they had those conversations with you and then yeah. also the one thing that i mean i don't know if it is different it might not be different at all the one thing that feels different about harry potter is like the in-depth passion that i know most people feel once they read these books right and like yeah. it's this long series it's like a fan it's a It's a deep fandom that's not just, like, if it was, like, one book that would be different, you know? It's just there's something intense about the love that you develop for it. And maybe 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 kids 20 years later, 30 years later, will not feel the same way that we did (laughs) (laughs) about Harry Potter. So maybe I'm building this up to be something way bigger than it is. Yeah.
0: They'll read the first one and be like, yeah, I didn't like this. (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. Cool. All right. So we were a uh, three for three negative on uh, Inner Out. I know, so I know.
1: Bad, um, bad in or Out
0: day. To be fair, these are the kind of trailers you get in December, or Absolutely. movies that come out at the beginning of the next year, which we know are um, traditionally uh, not the top of the pile. So, right. Um, you ready to talk succession? Yes. Succession season three uh, ended this past Sunday. Truly, it has been one of the, I think, most interesting shows to watch on television uh, this season. Um, I know it has, I feel like it's been hyped more of people just constantly talking about it. And I don't know if that's just what my Twitter feed looks like or if that's just the state of the world now as everybody's watching Succession. But I feel like I'm hearing it from more people who didn't watch it in the past. Are you feeling the same way?
1: Yes definitely okay um, people have I, caught up <laughs> right i also feel like this is the only show that i or people i know watch as appointment viewing like true watching it when it's airing
0: yeah no i agree um, yeah i agree with you there
1: like i have shows that i'll watch every week as they come out you know like all of my housewives but this is the only one where it's like i i don't want to be spoiled i'm watching this the moment it's available
0: yeah Definitely. Sunday night. Um, I think also everybody's kind of reading it a little different um, as the, as kind of this season went on. Um, I think you have to learn how to watch this show. And I'm not saying that I have fully learned how to watch this show, but I think, right. um, cause I think I'm falling into some of the traps that were laid out by the writers here. Yeah. Um, but I think this is a show about succession and it's not a show about family (laughs) and i think that is something that um Mm -hmm. Uh, that that I get caught up in is like this is about this family, about how you know they fall apart and they come together and all of these things. And really, this is a show about Logan Roy and his relationship to his children for sure, but more about his relationship to this company that he has built um, and how his children play into that and how everybody else plays into that. But it is about this company um, so let's let's get into talking about season three and you know the show the show as a whole. Obviously, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched this, we're spoiling the entire show at this point. Um, but I've got some questions for you and then we can play good, good tweet, bad tweet. Okay. So starting off, was there anything going into the finale of this? Was there anything that was like nagging you about this season or coming out of the f- finale? Is there anything that's still nagging you about this season?
1: Um, nagging me about the finale and going into the finale, what was nagging me? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think what was on all of our minds is what's going to happen with Kendall, right? Um, See,
0: that was not on my mind at all. <laughs> so...
1: Here's what was on my mind. Okay. Everyone seemed to be kind of worked up into like the, is he going to die? Is he not? I really didn't think he was going to die. So like that wasn't the stressor for me. Okay. But my, what was, what was nagging me was, I understand why people thought he was going to die was because his, everything about his story felt so conclusive. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. His interaction with Logan, we we've got to take into account this New Yorker piece that like does feel like something that comes out at the end of an actor's run, uh, with Jeremy Strong. This New Yorker piece interview that with him, um, the his, his character has been through the ringer. It feels like he's at a breaking point. So there is this conclusivity that what was nagging me was where does he go from here? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If he isn't dead, which I don't really think he is, yeah. I don't think this show would do something like that in that way. What, where does Kendall go from here? Yeah, and that is still nagging at me. Like yeah. even after the finale, is emotionally, yeah. What's his state? Just he just seems so broken down that you're wondering can he ever be the Kendall that we knew once knew. You know. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think his story follows a pretty like typical you know fall from grace um story and so it does feel like this like we've wrapped that up but i do think that i mean i full full trust in the succession team on 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 where they can go but i feel you there that it feels like especially as we're kind of concluding this season like kendall's had his run we we did it we saw it well i feel
1: like also on any other show like literally any other Mm -hmm. show a character could have this fall from grace, and then maybe grow as a person from it. Right? Yes, yes. And then that's what you have coming forward. Mm-hmm.
0: You hit rock bottom and you come back up.
1: Right, even a little bit. You know, maybe they, they, mm-hmm. don't, come a, they don't become a great person. Yeah, but they like grow and change, and you know, I I don't see that for Kendall. I don't see growth in the, the path forward for. Any of these characters. Yeah. Um, except here's the thing. I say that, and, but I'm going to immediately contradict myself because, and we can talk about this maybe a little bit later. I don't know if this leads into any other questions you have. But these characters, what happens at the end of this episode with the three main siblings mm-hmm. finally working together is growth. Yes. Like, that is the first real sign of growth I think we've seen. Yep. on the show it's not successful it's not you <laughs> know like they're still miserable people like um and who knows what happens after this but that was thrilling the sh- that whole episode was thrilling but the thing that thrilled me the most was truly like they're finally doing it they're finally they finally figured out that if they work together yeah they could stop him
0: yeah that that felt like a huge um like exciting moment like a like a yeah. like a big charge at the end of like they did it they've spent three seasons fighting each other because right. he's been pitting them against each other and they finally come together but you yeah. do realize that they're finally coming together at a point where he no longer cares <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like he's not pitting them against each other anymore at this point right. so he's almost allowed this to happen um yeah, I definitely want to talk more about that in a second. I will, I will say what what was nagging at me this entire season was was Tom. Um, kind of the way they're using Tom, he will, I mean he was the punching bag this entire season, and um, which I'm fine with. I think that's um a fun use of his character. But I did did feel like we spent so much time with Tom not to get a resolution or what I thought I thought we weren't going to get a resolution for him. Um, just because the way the you know the episode had been building up you know, this isn't about him. Like there's so much other stuff that we have to, you know, talk about and conclude in this, in this episode. So I, for me, that was what was nagging at me. um, And is obviously no longer nagging at me. I thought it was an amazing, an amazing use of Tom and, um, and his character um, to, to lead up to something completely unexpected like this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of Tom thoughts.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: (laughs) But I'm going to save those for a little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's get, let's get through some of my other questions real quick. How do you feel about the guest stars? Succession has had it. Well, I'll say this: in season two and three, Succession had a had a you know quite a good list of guest stars. In season two, they used them mostly as a group of antagonistic fi- figures who kind of played throughout the the season. Um, in this season, they ended up kind of sprinkling them in, so you get a, a couple one off episo- episodes. Uh, Alexander Skarsgard is in, I think, two episodes. Uh, three maybe um but it did it, it felt different how did you feel about the use of the guest stars this season
1: um basically i can think of three right sonali Lathan, alexander skargard alexander skarsgard and then yeah. who was the other one adrian brody right adrian brody um, yeah i think sonali Lathan was kind of wasted i think yeah she didn't get really anything to do you know um and so that was a little disappointing not on her part but more just like why bring on a guest star of Sinan Latham without giving her something? Yeah. Um, then um, I think Adrian Brody's episode was thrilling. I think to see someone of his caliber just inhabit a character in that one episode and just come and go, I really, really loved. Um, and then guard, I think is very interesting because his character. This is the first time I think we've seen anyone that Logan is starting to view as an equal. Yeah, and that's interesting all by itself, right? To see someone that Logan kind of has a respect for, um, and but that also has kind of the weirdness of a Roman, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is I think a really interesting character, and I'm hoping that we get to see more of him in the next season. I'm assuming we
0: will. I'm assuming so as well. I really hope so. Um I think yeah, I think his character for me was the most interesting of the guest stars, like you said. Like the other two didn't have as much to do. I think one of the things that Succession does is it doesn't play out the plot lines I think the the way a typical show would. So like in a normal <laughs> in a normal show because of the, you know, where we ended season 2 going into season 3, this lawsuit would be huge and this would be the focus of the season. Yeah. And it's the focus of a couple episodes before it kind of fizzles out and we realize it's not really happening. And so I think that character makes sense there for, you know, for, for, for us to get this big lawyer that we're super yeah. excited about and have an actress that we're extremely excited about. And then it kind of fizzled out, which I think for me personally was disappointing for her not to have more um, in the show or have a bigger impact on this season. Um, but I think story-wise, it kind of does make sense that that's where they're taking it. I just wish – you know, I just wish it'd been better.
1: <laughs> I wish they just would have given her a a, a, a juicy scene. You know,
0: I, I I think that would have been good. Yeah, I agree with yeah. you there. Um, and then same thing with Adrian Brody. Like like we we get to meet Adrian Brody, and then I think in a lesser show, or in my opinion, it, we would have taken that farther. We would have seen what what are the outcomes of this? What are we? You know, yeah. but a lot of that, all of this stuff happens off screen in succession. It just happens. We're used to reading other shows, <laughs> and yes. so we plan a trajectory. Right. I say we. I'll say I. I plan no, no. a trajectory of where I think this season's going to go. And it we doesn't go a culture, there. We
1: culture, like, definitely yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, and I don't think that's the fault of the show. I think that's the show doing what it wants to do and us having prior expectations that aren't set correctly. Um, which I love. I love being surprised by, by shows like this. But you get kind of a lot of these big dramatic moments that you think are going to be, you know, the cruxes of some of this entire season. And it just doesn't happen, which is fine.
1: You know... Um, I do want to talk... I would love for us to talk more about how this show defies those cultural expectations yeah. of of structure. What happened was, like, at the... I remember at the end of season two, when Kendall kind of does the big betrayal, mm-hmm. a lot of people having all these theories about, um, like, maybe Shiv was helping him. You know, like, mm-hmm. I also remember... Thinking, I remember earlier on in season two, I had these theories that Shiv and Kendall were working together behind the scenes and they weren't showing it to us. I think there have been a lot of theories this season about like Tom, I've heard theories about Tom wearing a wire, you know, that like Tom is is (laughs) helping the feds this whole time, right? Yeah. And what I just have to say to both myself and to people who have these theories is that like, that is not Succession. Yeah. Succession has never shown us to be that kind of show, I think because it's on HBO, because we've all been like had our brains broken by like Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones, and I'm sure there's others that like like How to Get Away with Murder, you know, like yeah, where these kind of shows have they they rely on these twists, right, and mm-hmm. seek like to keep that drama high. They rely on throwing in twists all the time, and um. You know you didn't realize that this was happening, but we we've decided that this was happening the whole time, right? yeah um succession has never done that. if there's a twist, it always happens inside the episode yeah it there's never been this like long arc or hidden character, right mm-hmm. Everyone is just being theirs themselves on this show and i and
0: I also think we're we're used to watching shows with like really smart um People and, like, the, you know, planning 10 steps ahead and, like, right. all of this stuff. And this is a show about reactors. Like, everybody in this show is just reacting to what happens. Right. And sometimes they make smart moves and sometimes they don't. But, like, this whole Tom thing, this isn't something he's been planning out this entire season. Right. He, he gets a call from Shiv and five minutes later we see, you know, what what he did. He, he called he called uh, Logan immediately, yeah. and so this isn't a this isn't a huge manipulation. These are people who are are manipulating, but they're running and gunning. You know, this is everybody's flying by the seat of their pants here. I would say the only one who might have a plan about anything is Logan. But a yeah. lot of it, you can see, he's also you know taking taking what comes at him. He's constantly shifting his strategy, constantly redeciding how he wants to handle things, and that's just how this show works.
1: Yeah, which is also why I didn't think Kendall was dead you know yeah yeah i this doesn't seem like the kind of show that does like a major character death in a shocking sense like that and so (laughs) yeah i i I just do i do think it's interesting us all these instincts that we have from tv watching and how i appreciate that this show is smarter than that i appreciate that this show doesn't play into those tropes yeah um And instead gives us incredibly compelling writing and performances (laughs) to make up for, like, that, those twist bombs.
0: Yep. I agree with you. All right. So who do you feel is the MVP of the season? That can be character, actor, whatever. (laughs) Location.
1: (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. Ultimately, I'm saying this not just because of what happened at the very end of the episode. I'm saying this as a season in whole. Mm-hmm. Matthew McFadden and Tom are the MVPs of the season. Yeah. They're just, they are, primarily Matthew McFadden's performance is the MVP it's of so the good. season. It's so good. I love him as an actor, and I think he's been, of course, great this whole show. But this season, my God, he was so good. I was so invested in him. I also feel like as a character, this season, Tom has always been pathetic, right? Yeah. And this was the first time where, of course, he's still pathetic in plenty of ways, um, but where you really do start to see him get a backbone. And it's a gradual thing. It's not like he just all of a sudden betrays Shiv at the end. You're like, whoa, where did this come from? (laughs) Throughout the season you've seen him, you know, co- a little bit more com- he's been he made a decision about sacrificing himself for prison, you know, like even though he like moaned about it, like he did decide to do that, right? Mm-hmm. He decided to be the person that's going to put his name out there for that. Um you got to see him really not always cater to Shiv, you know? I remember in the first or second episode where there was that question of who's CEO. And he's like, do you want it? And she's like, yeah, go fight for me. And he doesn't really, you know? Yeah. And um, that was the first moment where you're kind of like, wow, Tom, you know, not necessarily just doing whatever Shiv says. And then also, everything with him and Greg, I am so fascinated by. This, story, <laughs> this show doesn't do sex and love, you yeah. know? Like, there are characters that might have sex and there are characters that might be technically in a relationship but yep. <laughs> but there're no love stories on this show, right? Like no. on like no, like normal love stories. Um and so the the closest I think we have is Tom and Greg. And whether it's sexual or not, I don't even really care about this show again sex is not really sex on succession. No. Yeah. Um but you can't deny that like to me, they are the prime love story, a fucked up love story by all means, right? Mm-hmm. But they are the prime love story of this show. This is like the the only two characters where you see one of them wooing another one, right? Mm-hmm. And there's tension and they come together and they fall apart in a way that I love watching. And I'm just delighted by. And that scene in the finale... Where he says, like, do you want to make a deal with a devil? And when Greg, like, takes a beat and then responds, like, you know, what do I need a soul for anyway? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that is a big romance novel, like, (laughs) rom-com moment. And I was swooning over it. And obviously, again, it is a fucked up dynamic. Like, this is not admirable in any sense. But I still am sw- like swooning over Tom's deep affection for Greg, like that has never faltered. Yeah, and so yeah, that moment combined with, of course, the betrayal and Tom's and Matthew McFadden's just amazing performance. The scene where he says to to um, Kendall at-, at the diner, you know. I I just have a feeling you're going to get fucked because you always get fucked. And I've never seen Logan get fucked once. Yeah. That summarizes definitely the whole season, but pretty much the whole show. Yep. Yep. And to me, when the, when the show gives you moments like that, that like really summarize the, the main ethos of the show, um, I really grasp onto them and hold onto them. And, um, yeah, and
0: that was yeah. one of them for me. I I love that. I definitely think Tom comes out on top for sure. For me, I think my MVP of the season is Karen Culkin. I think the fir- the first yeah. season was Kendall's season. The second season was Shiv's season, and this is this is. Karen Culkin season we get to we get to see what you know more we get to learn more about him we get to see kind of more about what uh you know his ethos is and all of that and I just thought he's a brilliant performer I just thought he he gets so many amazing scenes and lines and facial movements (laughs) and um I just thought he was terrific this season I loved it
1: here uh, here's a confession about his storyline yeah um, I, i'm obsessed with him he's he's probably my favorite actor on the show and yeah. his character is probably my favorite character to watch one thing that i'm reckoning with myself emotionally i'm so invested in the roman jerry dynamic and their scenes <laughs> and then and especially in season two where it become when she's kind of participating right mm-hmm. and You feel like, what is this that's going on between them, right? Mm -hmm. And then in season three, when she's shutting it down all season, I was still like, you do still want it to keep going. And I'm reckoning with, why am I rooting for this inherently bad behavior? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then when that all comes to a head in this episode with the dick pic, um... And it's kind of laid bare, like he is harassing her. You know, like yeah. why are you so charmed by this character that is very clearly sexually harassing someone? Yeah. I, I do like that the show makes me reckon with that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And but I'm still invested in them as a dynamic, you know, because whether you view Jerry as a victim of sexual harassment or not, right? Their their dynamic as a mentor mentee is fascinating, sex aside. Yeah. And um, the one thing that I was when I when that whole dick pic moment happened i think there was a lot of talk about like the cringe of that moment of like yeah. oh my god you've sent a dick pic to your father and you've got caught and yeah <laughs> all that cringe i was much more feeling this like fleeting fear of oh we this this is over now this whole dynamic between the yeah. two of them yeah. um is now come to a close because of this mm-hmm. and i'm gonna miss it yeah
0: and I think they have truly amazing chemistry. I mean, yes. Rebecca, who has never seen any of this show, walked in in the middle of, like, episode two of the season, and uh-huh. they were just talking about business, and yeah. that's it. And she goes, are they in a relationship? Yeah. I was like, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> in a way. Yeah. Like, it's just so palpable. Right. Um, So, like, watching them together, no matter what they're talking about, for me, is extremely interesting. So really? I also felt that, that not... Yes, the cringe of the moment, but also the cringe of like, are we about to lose this int- super interesting dynamic that we've right. had for the last couple seasons? <laughs> so, right. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. You want to play good tweet, but bad tweet real quick for the finale?
1: Really quick. Um, okay. Yeah. Let me think of something. Good.
0: Um, I'll, 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 I'll go, go Starford, first. Please. Good tweet. Connor's screaming that he's the oldest son. I absolutely <laughs> loved that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. The Willa Connor dynamic and her accepting a proposal. By saying "fuck it" multiple times and never yeah. saying yes, good tweet. Yeah,
0: yeah, a hundred percent. I love the honesty of their relationship. Yes. Like, obviously, it's it's just it's it's the most honest relationship that we're seeing on screen. <laughs> I mean, we
1: we don't have time, but we could talk forever about the Shiv Tom relationship dynamic yeah. and compared yeah. to the Willa Connor relationship yes. dynamic.
0: Yes, yes. Um, bad tweet. The conversation about the smoothie. I don't, that, yeah. to me, that felt out of place in this season without yeah. getting some kind of confirmation or something like that, that that's what it actually is. Like, was
1: that real? Like, yeah. Was yeah. it a joke? Very yeah. odd. Yes. Yeah. Let me think. Oh, it's hard for me to come up with a bad tweet, actually. I know. Bad tweet, Kendall's necklace. Yes. Super
0: bad. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I kept looking at it the entire time. I was like, yeah. what's happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, good tweet, obviously. Their conversation in the alley and Ugh. like him, him watching those kids taking out the trash is just—I loved
1: yeah. it. Um, good tweet. Oh my god, this look on Shiv's face when Roman tells her about what happened with Matson—yes, that he yep. hasn't been telling her—the <laughs> way her face—it almost was like a cartoon character. The way it shifted, I—it's burned into my brain. I yeah. love that. <laughs>
0: I'll say good tweet every shot of a of a boat.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Just
0: beautiful, beautiful yeah. Italian countryside.
1: Yeah, good tweet when they were all in the car deciding to work together. Oh, and so good. You get to the moment where they're like, "Who's going to be CEO?" Right, and yeah. that's where they always fall apart. Yeah. And instead, they just go, uh, "We'll fight. It, we'll fight it out later. That'll yep. be fun." And Kendall yep. goes, "That fucking will be fun." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a really good tweet.
0: So true. Overall great season so fun to watch i love this show it's so great
1: (laughs) yeah best show on tv it's true no other show makes me think this hard and feel this much about these characters yep yep about characters that are so awful
0: yep it's so true Yeah. all right um i'm very excited for season four until then sandra where can find you online
1: you can find me on all social platforms at sandra amstutz my last name is spelled as a-m-s-t-u-t-c <laughs> almost started spelling my name wrong
0: yep um i'm luke straight you can find me everywhere at Lucas and stuff see ya
1: bye-bye thank you goodbye now goodbye go away. i'll see you soon okay that's it go home Yep. Yeah. moving along padre goodbye old friend that's it that's our show for tonight people